I'm Amanda Wagner. And I'm Liz Pittman. And this is the Amanda Wagner Podcast. This podcast is the place for born leaders who are hungry to do something big, something that matters, and who are tired of waiting for an invitation to change the world. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and we share our experiences as women with impatient ambition. The world has enough fluff. This is your invitation to bring your worth to the world and do something that matters. In this episode, we talk about my experience of pivoting for the pandemic. We reconsider how long the workday is and what a work week can look like. And we brainstorm and share what we count as work, even if it might seem like it's leisure or rest time. And in WWAWD, we answer Julia's question about knowing when it's time to grow your business. We are six months into the COVID pandemic, and if you're like me, you might be realizing that what you used to do when you were in an office or going about your average day isn't working anymore and probably hasn't been working for the past few months. I'm hearing more and more stories about companies seeing that their employees are not only capable of working from home, but that they're actually productive and accountable to their tasks and deliverables. Imagine that. I am always comforted when I'm reading these articles because I feel like companies are starting to get it and really starting to trust their employees. If we've managed to shift the perspective on working from home versus in a traditional office, is it also time to rethink how we spend our hours during the day? This is a big question that's coming up for me as I'm spending more time really thinking about what does my day-to-day look like? What is my average week? So a little bit of background on my end. Since January 2020, I have been meeting with Ashley, who is a productivity expert, and we have been working on some things like my cash flow spreadsheet, forecasting and projecting, as well as launching the Amanda Wagner brand, including this podcast. And at the same time, I'm still running the compliment and working with my current clients. LP, where were you at in January 2020? January 2020 was pretty big for me. Uh, I had a lot going on. I had just moved to Vancouver Island right after Christmas. I had just taken my previously side business full time. I was adjusting to working from home. I worked in an office or a newsroom my entire career. So I was adjusting to working from home with no colleagues, very quiet, my own schedule, shorter days. I was waiting to get sick after being so busy moving and switching jobs and going through Christmas holidays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So January 2020 was a lot for me. I was, you know, I, I was full on when the year began. And when the year began on my end, I felt like I was finally really in with both feet. I knew what I was doing. I had built a business from the ground up before. So when I was building the Amanda Wagner, I thought, I've done this once before. I already have some experience and some proof that I can do this. Well, January 2020, meet March 2020. I pivoted and fast. I went from hosting workshops, speaking and doing team training to sitting behind a computer for eight hours a day, trying to figure out how the hell I'm going to keep my revenue up so I can continue building both brands and having the impact that I'm working towards. Six months later, I realized that I pivoted faster than I was even able to process. Within 48 hours of being told we should quarantine in our homes, I anticipated and was right that my work with teams would pause or be canceled. And I started free zoom sessions to support business owners. 
these sessions became business therapy. Note that I am not a licensed therapist, but these conversations were all around, what do I do? There were tears, there was confusion. So many people who put their hands up and just said, what do I do now? What happens when you have one strategy that you work so hard for, and then the rug is pulled out from under you and you have to let your team go. You have to close your business. It was a really challenging time for people. In my situation, I held space for others because I had it and because I derived so much of my worth from supporting others. So March happened really quickly and I didn't necessarily take the time to process what had happened. Liz, what did March do to you and your January self, which experienced a lot of big life changes? Yeah, January was a, was a really busy month, but March was a whole different beast. So I helped my clients pivot. So I was lucky to not, I was really lucky to not lose many clients. If I lost people, I lost them later on in the pandemic. But in March and in April, lots of people realized they needed me even more. They needed tra to transition to digital. They needed to have a bigger online presence. So that worked out well for me. March and April were my biggest months this year. So I was March, I was pretty head down and I just kept at it because I didn't know when the other shoe would drop. So it was a lot of working my ass off because like who knew what was going to happen? Yeah. I have to say it's a really interesting moment because it was that weekend of March. You were in Edmonton for a conference. It was the first time coming back since having moved. And you and I were recording podcasts at that time. We were supposed to be on a panel together for this conference. And so as the first kind of waves of the news of coronavirus was coming out, we were actually sitting together in this office going, what happens? And you were saying, do I go home? Do I not go home? Is it safe to fly? Do I need to drive? There was so much up in the air. So March had this added layer of anxiety, but I think where you and I really have something in common is we both went head down and went, how do we make this work? That works until it doesn't. Oh, so absolutely. <laughs> flash forward to August, 2020, I cracked. For the first time in these six months, I faced my own what the fuck moment. I realized that I pivoted so quickly because I felt the pressure to change what I was doing. I felt the pressure to maintain my income and to sit with my thoughts didn't feel quote unquote productive. And I had to prove my worth and help. So finally in August, I was able to sit back and have my own moment of now I can finally process. Liz, where are you at six months in? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm really tired of being on, I think, all the time uh, and not getting much of a break just because, again, everyone needs to have that online presence. So I've been working my tail off and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. I've had, you know, I've had a little bit of turnover, but nothing to write home about really. Um, it's just been a lot of work. And, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, being on zoom all the freaking time. is just a lot on a person I, draining. I'm zoomed out. Yeah. So am I. I, I did like two and a half hours of in one call this morning, you and I are on zoom now. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of tired. Uh, I feel like I'm not the best version of myself. Um, personally, like I know I have not been the greatest partner to Mike. I feel like I'm, I'm just not as nice as I have been. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just, uh, it's, it's, it's having a toll 
And, but I think that it's important that I'm aware of that so I can try and make changes to get back to how I felt in early 2020. I think inevitably there isn't a going back to what January 2020 was like, but I'm so glad you just came out and said, I'm tired because I feel the same way. I'm tired. I'm drained. I'm also not the best version of myself. I know Robin isn't getting the best version of me. I'm not even giving myself that time. And so now that we're six months in and we are anticipating that we are going to be in this for the long haul, it really makes me think, how can I make my work day and my work week be more in line with the kind of life that we are living now? And it really made me slow down and work with Ashley on what routines and habits and tasks are working, what isn't working. And for me, I don't know if this is the student, the teacher in me, but how can I take my back to school energy and bottle it to actually start fresh? I think there's a lot to be said for having the opportunity to rethink our workday, especially if you are working and trying to parent as well or changing your family in some way, inevitably your day is going to be different. When I was working with Ashley, she challenged me to create my ideal week. And this is something that I have now adopted and I've been sharing with my clients and friends. And the number one thing that stuck out to me when she said, create your ideal work, workday, is that the workday is probably only five to six hours. So this idea that we somehow have to be working for eight or nine hours isn't to be trusted. I cannot productively do something for eight or nine hours a day. The max that I'm going to get is five or six. At the time that we're recording this, I have started a morning routine and I have been doing it for a whole seven days now. And I will see how it goes, but I want to tell you a little bit about what I've been doing. I get up around 7.45, 8 o'clock. I know that sounds luxurious to many people. I also go to bed around 10 o'clock at night. So I get a solid 9 to 10 hours of sleep. I get up. I do my hair and makeup. I get my face on. I get ready. And then I've started making breakfast. I go to the dining room table. I'm not on my phone, I'm not on my laptop, and I eat my breakfast while I'm reading a book. And it's done two things for me. Number one, it's helping me get through a book that I've always wanted to read but never really count as work time. So by the time the workday ends, I'm too exhausted and didn't wanna read anything. And it's also helped me slow down in my eating. I don't have to be doing multiple things at the same time. After that, I've been using the Calm app, and I've been listening to the seven days of focus meditation. So it's about 10 minutes. I sit quietly at the dining room table. I listen to this. They talk about things like um, digital distractions, about maintaining concentration and focus. The first time I did this, instantly I felt a little bit lighter and I felt more prepared to start the 30 minutes that I've put into my ideal week, which is 30 minutes of writing. What blew me away and continues to blow me away is that I get up around eight o'clock, I take my time getting ready, I eat my breakfast, I meditate, then I write for half an hour and I look at my clock and it's usually around 20 after nine. By 20 after nine, I have done all of those things and feel like I've already accomplished so much and I'm ready to face the rest of my day. LP, I know you love a morning routine. Tell me what yours looks like. 
Man, do I ever love a morning routine. Just hearing you talk about yours gives me joy. And I, and that doesn't look really anything like what mine looks like. <laughs> My morning routine uh, depends on the day. Uh, so Mike and I take turns taking Mabel out in the morning for a walk. She needs a long walk in the morning so that I can get stuff done during the day. <laughs> <laughs> that, that little fuzzball's got a lot of energy. So I'll take Mabel out for a walk, or if Mike takes her, I will just like lay in bed for another half an hour, just staring at the ceiling, <laughs> willing myself to get out of bed. And then I will make breakfast, and then I will, I usually open Apple News, so, but I don't read capital R real news. I will usually crack open like a virtual copy of Food and Wine magazine, because I, I pay for the extra Apple News subscription so I can get all of the magazines. Oh, you're so uh, fancy. So I read food and wine or like Bon Appetit or something. And then I will read my favorite email newsletters. I have two or three that I read every morning. Um, and then my other half goes to the office and Mabel and I usually come into the office for about nine, sometimes a little bit later, but usually no later than 930 since I know that mornings are my most valuable productivity time. So I, I, I do have the flexibility to start whenever it is that I want, but I know that from nine to 11 or nine 30 to 1130 or whatever is the time that works for me. Uh, so I know I need to get into the office by then. So that's kind of like the steps that I go through to make sure that I'm starting my day off on a, on a good note and kind of setting myself up for success. This morning routine and being really intentional about it has made me think what counts as work. And that's because something like meditating in the morning, reading a chapter of my book, or writing has always felt like something that doesn't quite fit or that isn't allowed in my workday. And I'm starting gradually to include more activities that seem like quote unquote downtime activities, my reading, my writing, and actual rest breaks. I'm starting to count those as work time because it's only when I take those breaks or give myself a, give my brain a chance to recuperate and do something else that I'm actually really productive when it comes to checking off my to-do list and doing the tasks. I never try to run out the day or make it to eight hours before I can quit. I know that not everybody has that luxury. There are certainly jobs where you are clocking in and out or you are mandated to start and stop working at a certain time, but it makes me come back to what are you doing within those hours and how can you maybe shuffle some half hour or 15 minute blocks that allow you some flexibility to build in that rest. So I know that this is a luxury and not everybody has this, but this luxury is only a perk if I'm actually using it. And so one of the biggest challenges for me has been like, I have this lifestyle where I have so much flexibility and there's all these perks, but are they perks if I'm not taking advantage of them? Liz, I would love to know from your end, I've mentioned reading, writing, as well as taking some rest breaks. What counts as work for you, even if it wouldn't be a traditional task that you might do? This is a really interesting question and I'm so glad you asked because it really got me thinking because I hadn't really thought about this yet. So I think that pretty much everything that falls in the Monday to Friday, like nine to three-ish time range is work for me, whether or not I'm at my desk on my computer doing brain work. So every time Mabel has to go out, 
whenever I make and eat my lunch. Even when I sit down and I'm like picking the music or the podcast I'm going to listen to while I work, I consider all of that like a necessary task to check off because it's part of my routine. It's important. So I consider it a step to be counted. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think of it more as like whatever happens within these hours, that's work. Right. I'm finding things like taking a snack break actually contributes to my work because I am better able to work when I am nourished, when I am watered and fed and well taken care of. Taking a stretch break, doing a little walk around, especially when the weather is still nice outside. There is some magic. Robin and I start our days at different times often. He starts later than I do. But there's something to be said that when he gets up and makes a coffee, we sit out on the porch and take 10 minutes and have coffee together. And that fires me up to keep going with my day. It also lets me kind of hit pause on all the things that are happening in my brain and filter out what's most important. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and she mentioned something that she's added into her routine that I thought was really neat. She is working from home and she, every afternoon, she works until, or her workday is until about 4.30 or something. At about three, she cracks a non-alcoholic beer as a way of winding down the day. So she's not having a real drink in case someone calls and there's some sort of emergency she needs to deal with for work, but it's kind of her signal to her body and to her brain that we're going to start wrapping up the day soon, start start winding down and relaxing. And I thought that was magical. I love it. love this. And I'm so glad you mentioned this. This is another reason that I'm glad we prep separately. Because the last thing I wanted to say was this idea of sealing the day. We have a morning routine. So what's the wind down routine? And my friend Maria runs a company called Time to Up out of the UK, and she is all about using stress and burnout to actually propel you into to further productivity and figuring out that there's another way to live. And so in sharing my morning routine with her, she asked, how do you wind down? How do you then seal and say, my day is ending now, my work day is ending, but my home life, my evening routine is now beginning. So it's not just shutting off my work day, but it's also lighting up. Here's the part that comes next. Here's where Robin and I get to hang out and enjoy our evening together and cook dinner and go outside. It kind of bookends that work day. And so one of the things for me is that I have a candle on my desk. I light it when I start the day and I blow it out at the end. Another thing is that I'm really precious about my office space being just for work. When I'm not working, I'm not in here because there's a, there's a mental cue that happens. Liz, is there anything that you can think of that you use to seal your day at the end? So when I worked in a quote unquote traditional office, I typically worked out during my lunch break because that was the best way to fit it in. I'm finding now that I work out when my day is over as a way of kind of switching it in my brain that this is time for me now. I've also for years, 10 years have been a Sunday meal prepper. I like, I just, that's always what I've done. And I'm noticing I'm doing less of that because I'm going into the kitchen to cook something for dinner when the workday is over. And that's a nice little way of shutting off my brain 
in thinking about strategy or writing and thinking about the recipe that I'm going to make instead. So I've, I, I didn't ever plan that, but I've noticed that's kind of the way that my brain wants to operate these days is that's another way of, of capping the day. I'm really loving that the idea of what is work is becoming wider. We're expanding it to include more things because if it was just sending emails, checking my to-do list, completing a task, that would get boring and I would get resentful of it after a while. I do not want to leave my day feeling completely drained and completely exhausted. And one of my fears coming in to record this episode is that I, I run the risk of people going, okay, Amanda, but do you even work? If you book appointments in the middle of the day or you work out at lunch, does that even count as a work day? The other side of me, the side of me that isn't scared is going, somebody else needs to hear that they're allowed to do that. Somebody else needs to hear that even though they work from home, they can take an hour for lunch and they can sit on the couch, they can go for a walk, they can work out. They do not have to be fiercely punching the clock for every second that they're working. Liz, I'd love to know, since the pandemic, is there anything that didn't used to count as work, but now you're including as part of your workday? I think this is a little bit of a work in progress for me because when the pandemic started, I was already working from home, but that was also new to me. So when the pandemic hit, I'd been working from home full time for like eight or nine weeks already. So I was still figuring all of this out. And so I think things like taking a break today at my, during my lunch break, I took a 30 minute nap on the couch and I don't necessarily think I would have included it in January when I was starting this new work from home thing. I don't think I would have necessarily included that as a necessary task for the day. But I had a crappy sleep last night. It's freaking hot in my apartment <laughs> and I haven't slept very well the last couple of nights. And this morning I woke up and I was like, you know what? I have a really full morning, but on the to-do list today, is a cat nap because I won't be great for the podcast this afternoon if I don't do that. So today I consider a nap a necessary task. So I think it is a work in progress for me and it does change day to day, but it definitely has evolved from what I thought the typical work day was when I started this whole thing uh, back in January. And I think that's what's most meaningful here is that our work day is consistently evolving. This morning, you had a two and a half hour training session. I had three back-to-back -back calls that were an hour each. So it makes sense that I needed a break. So I had no guilt booking an appointment that was an hour and a half long in the middle of my day, knowing that I did a bunch of work this morning, plus those three calls, and that you and I were meeting back to record this podcast. So I think there's a lot to be said for finding comfort in the evolution of what our day looks like, the evolution of what the week looks like, and by sitting down and mapping out in a perfect world, what would I want my day to look like? I would like my day to start with my morning routine, including 30 minutes of writing. I don't do any client work before 10 a.m. And I want to wrap up by 4 o'clock p.m. Sometimes it doesn't happen. But I always aim for it. And it means that I get less of the scraps. I actually build in time for me, for building my business, and for really moving the needle on what counts. We would love to hear from you, whether or not it has to do with the pandemic, 
what counts as work? Beyond sending emails and checking off to-do lists, what are some of the activities that somebody else might see as rest, but are actually starting to value as part of your workday that keeps you recharged, keeps your energy up, and makes sure that you are able to accomplish all the things you need to do in a day? Okay, moving on to WWAWD, or what would Amanda Wagner do? This is a big question, AW. This one comes from Julia, who says, I'm at a point where I have enough work and I feel ready to scale. But what does that mean? How do I scale? It seems that everyone around me is talking about scaling and making their businesses bigger. How will I know how to scale and if I'm ready? What would Amanda Wagner do or what kind of light can you shine on this for us, AW? This is a huge question and I am so delighted by it because I'm in a similar spot. One thing that I will tell you that freaked me out is about a year ago, I looked at a business resource online and they considered a small business anything between 10 and 20 employees. So when I look at that number, I go, I guess I'm doomed to be a micro business forever because my goal is not to have 10 to 20 employees. I don't think the number of employees is directly related to the amount of impact you have. So first and foremost, I would say, where is the desire for scaling coming from? Is it coming from what you actually want to do or what you want to be able to tell people that you do? There is a difference. I, I'm now three years into my business and I have moments where I would love to say, oh, I have five employees. But there's the other side, which is like, I actually don't want that responsibility. What I would rather do is get super clear on what I'm doing, do what I'm really good at and hire contractors to do the work that I can't be bothered to do. I'm a believer in do what you're good at and pay someone else to do the rest. That's why Liz is the magician behind my Instagram accounts because I have a really hard time doing it. So I send the pictures, I send captions, we jam on ideas, but Liz is really the person who's running it because she's an expert of what she does. So I think there's a couple ways to scale. Size in terms of people is one of them. Another one is by taking experiences or like calls, coaching, strategizing that you're doing from working with one person to working with a group. So changing the way you're actually offering business to people. So a slight change in your business model. Another option is by looking at what are the things that your clients are asking for most often? And is there a thoughtful way for you to replicate that? Can you turn it into a course or into a downloadable module so that somebody could pay for it, download it, but never really have to engage with you? There is a book that is next on my list of things to read in the morning. Um, and that is by Paul Jarvis and it is called Company of One. And it's this idea that instead of looking at the be all end all of a company to have a million employees and all these people in a huge office building, instead it's actually scaling up by scaling back and figuring out what really matters and what's the best way to do it. I wish I had a more concrete answer so I could say, here's how to scale, here's how you'll know that you're ready and I don't. But what I can say is really think about why would you want to scale? Is it simply because you are stuffed to the gills with work? And if so, is all the work that's on your plate, is it what you really wanna be doing? 
Or is there any space that you would want to be culling and instead finding that you're working with the absolute best people for the expertise that you have? I hope that is helpful. It gives you some insight. We will, of course, put in the show notes uh, the link to that book. And when I read it, I can tell you more. Thanks, A.W. Those are some exciting things to ponder, Julia. Thank you so much for submitting your question. And we want more questions from our podcast listeners. You can submit them to us on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or visit theamandawagner.com and submit via the contact info there. And finally, please join us on Instagram and tell us what you consider part of your workday, even if it is unconventional. Maybe it's reading newsletters. Maybe it's picking up a book in the middle of the day, having a cat nap. Tell us what it is. I want to give some more permission and space for people to really find their own flow within the day and really pay attention to how they do their best work. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. I am delighted to see more reviews coming in. We live by Don't Ask, Don't Get. So please review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Follow along with us on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner and sign up for the monthly newsletter at theamandawagner.com. We will be back with a brand new episode, episode 20 in two weeks. Ooh, that feels big. Doesn't it? I really like it. So we'll be back uh, just in a couple of weeks. And until then, we'll see you on the internet.